to Psalm chapter number 31. Psalm 31 and verse number 7. Psalm 31 and verse number 7 tonight. Psalm chapter 31 and verse number 7. It says, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble, thou hast known my soul in adversities. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for thy word. And Lord, I thank you for the fact that we can be glad, we can be uh, joyful as Christians. No matter what the situation, we can have your joy in our heart and life. Father, I pray that we would uh, seek that to be the way of our life all the time that we could be happy and, and, Lord, in thee and what you have done for us. We thank you, Lord, for this time as we open thy word. Pray, God, that you would speak to us, Lord, and just uh, cause our hearts to be joyful and glad in thee. I pray, God, that you give me your words this evening as, as we uh, look at thy word, how important it is to know the truth of thy word. And, Lord, your mercy, which is amazing. Father, I thank you so much for it, and we praise you now in Jesus' name, amen. In the early years of President Coolidge, uh, he awoke one morning in his hotel to find a cat burglar going through his clothes, going through his pants. President Coolidge spoke up, and he asked the burglar not to take the, uh, the uh, watch chain that he had on that because there was engraved on it a little uh, charm, and he... he, he thought it was very precious, and so he started talking to the cat burglar. He said, please just don't take that. As time went on, he began to converse with the cat burglar, and he started talking with him, and, and he discovered that he was a college student who didn't have any money to pay his hotel bill, and he didn't have any money to, to pay uh, for a ticket to go back to campus. President Coolidge uh, was able to talk him out of his wallet, and President Coolidge then took the, wa the wallet and uh, counted out $32, which was enough to pay for his bill and to get him uh, a ticket back home. And he said, well, you know what? This is, this is just a loan. And uh, you'll just, just pay it back when you get an opportunity. He says, oh, and by the way, please be sure and go out the same way you came in so that the Secret Service won't know you're here. You know the amazing thing? The loan was repaid. You know, that's mercy. That was mercy. I mean, he could have had him thrown in jail. He could have had all sorts of charges raised against him. But, you know, that, college, that young college student received something that he did not deserve, and that was mercy. Mercy defined, Noah Webster says that mercy is this, to treat an offender better than he deserves. You know, our theme for the year is Psalm 511, and let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. We're to be joyful in the Lord, and we've seen different things about being uh, as, as we are in the Lord. What are we to be joyful in? Well, tonight, we're looking at this idea of being joyful in the mercy of the Lord. Psalm 30, 31, verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. A reason to be glad and rejoice tonight is because of the wonderful mercy of God. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, it says, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and by no means clearing the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 says, Know therefore the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 34, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. What about the mercy of God? What is it that we ought to be thankful and we ought to be glad for the mercy of God? Well, I want you to see tonight, first of all, God's mercy is eternal. God's mercy is eternal. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 103, Psalm 103, verse 17 and verse 18. Psalm 103, verse 17 and verse 18. Psalm 103, verse 17, it says, By the mercy of the Lord, uh, excuse me, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children, uh, the children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. As we look at this portion of scripture, we find that the mercy of God, God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. You know, it reminds me of a portion of Scripture. If we go back just a couple of chapters, keep your finger there, but go back a couple of chapters to chapter, uh, excuse me, chapter number, Psalm chapter number 90. For the Lord thou hast been our dwelling place for, in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever uh, thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. We could go this way as far as we want and we would find God. We can go this way as far out into the future as we want and we will find God. Same idea, the same principle is taught here in Psalm uh, excuse me, Psalm 103, verse 17 and 18. He says, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. In the past, we see the mercy of God. Over and over again. You know, the mercy of God, as you stop and you look at the Old Testament and you consider the Old Testament, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, when God says, the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die, he could have killed them, that would have been it, that would have been done. But it was God's mercy and the shedding of that blood because he had a plan where his son was going to shed his blood for us that he allowed them to continue to live. I think about Noah and the ark. Well, you know, when the, the thoughts of man were evil only continually, he was wicked, it was just, they had defiled themselves. In fact, when you think about it, only eight people really wanted God. Out of all the people that were on the earth, only eight wanted the Lord. The rest of them didn't. They wanted, them, they wanted the world and what the world had to offer. It was God's mercy that he didn't destroy all the world. It was God's mercy that Noah didn't stay in that ark for the rest of his life. Could you imagine being there with all those animals, the, the, the elephants and all that type of stuff, in that ark for a year? It wasn't just 40 days. Hey, Pastor, I could handle 40 days. They were in that ark, if you look and study that out, over a year. Boy, the mercy of God. God, drew, uh, God uh, dried up all of the water, and they were out and, and continued on. It was the mercy of God. Folks, we have seen, you can see over and over and over again, the mercy of God from everlasting in the past to everlasting in the future. You know, God is a merciful God. 
You know, I think of, as we look into the future, we, pro we project into the future. The Bible talks about the fact that during the, the tribulation period, that it, God says, except the days be shortened, that no flesh should be, be spared. You know what that is? That's the mercy of God. That there's people in that tribulation period which will have an opportunity to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the mercy of God. God is merciful in this time period, is he not? He's merciful in this time period as we consider this. But notice as we look at this verse in verse number 17, it says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Notice, upon them that what? First of all, that fear him, that fear him. We think about this idea of fearing the Lord. Psalm 111, you're, you're close to it. Let's go over there to it. Psalm 111, verse number 10. Notice what it says. A familiar verse for many of us. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The person who fears the Lord is a person who acknowledges his position as creator, as Lord, and as judge. You know that person who says, you know what, there is a God, and that God is my creator. Hey, that, that, that says something about your understanding and folks may I share with you that, that people understand that there's a God. Do you think, consider an atheist for a moment. An atheist, you say, well, I don't believe that there's a God. Why do they fight so much against something that they don't believe in? I was listening about, yesterday there was a, a gentleman that was preaching on the, on the radio. He says, do we get so upset and uptight about things that we don't believe in? And he was giving the illustration of a unicorn. You know, I don't come into my house and say, honey, I'm so upset with the unicorns. Well, I don't believe in the unicorn. But, but, you know, we talk, uh, the atheists talk so much about God. And uh, there is no God. And we can't believe that there is a God. Well, if you don't believe in it, then why does it get you so upset? There, we don't believe in unicorns. We don't believe in those things. Uh, so why do they get so upset? Well, folks, because they really know that there is a God. God says that they, we can see from creation that there's a God. And that they are without excuse. So we understand the fact that a person who acknowledges God as our creator is one who fears the Lord. It's one who says, Lord, you know what? You are my God. You are my Lord. You are the one who is my judge. One day, God's going to judge us all. He's going to judge the saved at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus Christ is going to be the judge there. And he's going to judge us based upon our works, what we've how we've served him. The lost are going to be judged at the great white throne judgment. And they will be judged for their works as well before they're cast into the lake of fire. But I submit to you, the person who fears the Lord understands that God is judge. That's the reason why people don't want to acknowledge who God is. We don't want him to judge us. We don't want anybody to tell us that we're doing the wrong thing or we're going in the wrong direction. The Bible says, Jesus, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. You know, a person who acknowledges uh, and fears the Lord is one who uh, that understands that God has the right to do whatever he chooses. He's sovereign. You know, one of the hardest things is to see a loved one uh, taken before, in our mind, before their time. But may I share with you that God knows all of our time. And you're not, and I'm not going to go before our time is, is up. 
You say, well, pastor, okay, that means I can go up and jump off of the building and I can do all that. No, no, no. He doesn't want us to be foolish. But God teaches us that, you know, in the day when your time is up, God says there is no discharge in that day. You don't have any control. As I've shared with you before, so often people say to their loved one that's there, well, you know, I give you permission to, 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 to go. Folks, you don't have any choice. You don't have any power in that area. It's God who determines uh, how long our life is going to be. The person who fears the Lord is the one who says he is his master and realizes that he's the master, we are the servant. You know what we want to do today is we want to change that around. We want to be the master and we want to tell God what to do. Many times you can tell how people pray. Well, God, this is what I want. I want you to do this and this and this and this and this. Well, that's not, that's not him being the master or, or him being the master, you being the servant. It's the flip side. Now, God does tell us to, to ask and it shall be given you. Ask. You know, sometimes we get that all out of whack. But the person who fears the Lord understands that he's the master and we are the servant. Those who fear him realize that we can do nothing without him. John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, Without me, ye can do nothing. See, but Pastor, I, wanna, I, I, I think I can do all this in, in life. You can try. You can do the best you can. But may I share with you that the Lord wants us to become dependent upon him. The person who fears the Lord realizes that he or she, are, they are not their own, but they are bought with a price and that we're to glorify God in our body and our spirit. But one aspect is to keep ourselves from sin. If we really fear the Lord, we're going to keep ourselves from sin. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. If we really fear the Lord, we're going to keep ourselves from sin. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Here in this portion of Scripture, Peter is encouraging these believers about being holy. That means to be, uh, set up, uh, to be set apart from sin. But as he which hath called you is holy, talking of God, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or manner of living, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God commands us to be holy. When people think about you, do they think about you as being a holy person? No, I'm not talking about your britches being holy. And I'm not talking about your shirt being holy. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a person who walks righteously. A person who walks according to, uh, to principles found in the Word of God of truth. And, and, and you don't lie and you're, you don't cheat and you don't steal and, and you have integrity. Hey, we need Christians today that have some integrity. So many Christians, they claim to be Christians, but there's no integrity. Well, God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. The person who fears the Lord uh, wants to keep himself from sin. He wants to get that sin out of his life. Look at 1 John chapter, just to the right from where you are, 1 John chapter 3. Interesting. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, talking of Jesus, we shall be with him and like him, for we shall see him as he is. Notice verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. 
And ye know that he was manifest, talking of Jesus, to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. See, a life is different when Jesus comes into our life. We need to have a different mindset. People say, well, you know what? I asked Jesus to be my Savior, but I, I'm just going to go ahead and live like I've always lived. Folks, that is not what God saved us and saved us to live that way. He saved us to live according to his principles, according to his way of life. You say, well, Pastor, why is it then that, that Christians don't, don't grab a hold of these principles? It's pretty simple. They don't want God to tell them what to do. But I submit to you, he is God. He has the, every right to tell us how to live and what to do and how to please him. And if we love him, we will keep his commandments. Go over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Back a few chapters. 2 Timothy chapter 2, as Paul is writing here. Notice what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. You know, as God looks in your heart today, he knows if he's there or not. You say, well, how does God know if I'm saved? Very simple. Because when we get saved, the Spirit of God comes to live inside our spirit. He can see whether he's there. Notice the next part. And, the, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Depart from sin. If I'm a Christian, I'm to depart from sin. Those that fear the Lord, they depart from sin. The Bible says in Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy and the evil way and the forward or the perverse mouth do I hate. See, we ought to hate the things that God hates because he lives inside us. We have that same mindset. Those who fear the Lord will fall into sin from time to time and they will get their eyes off of the Lord and, and will yield to the flesh. We call it being carnal. But I, I submit to you, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, he says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we think that we're going to live a perfect life in here, as long as we're in this, in this flesh, it's not going to happen. We have the potential to, but the difference is that we submit to the flesh and yield to the flesh rather than yield to the Spirit of God. If you think back over this past week, I'm sure as you look back at your life, you can say, uh, well, at that particular moment, I wasn't really walking in the Spirit. Look with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. Verse number 16. It says, Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you could just walk in the Spirit all the time, you wouldn't sin. Notice it's a capital S. It's under the control of the Spirit of God. If you would just walk in the Spirit, you'd never, you'd never, get, you'd never uh, sin anymore. But you know, keep on looking. He says, for the flesh lusteth. It has a passion, a desire against the Spirit. This body that you and I, that we have, this body wants to go a different direction than the way that God wants us to go. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The flesh says, hey, you know what? 
look at, why don't you just spend a little time over here? Why don't you do, why don't you think on these things? Why don't you go to that, as we talked about, the bar, the casino? Hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you just do a little bit of poker? And, and why don't you, uh, uh, you know, uh, go off into the, and drink and, and smoke and all? Hey, that would look real fun. That'll be exciting for you. The Spirit says, no, 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 you don't want to do that. That's wrong. God says, you know what? We're to bring our thoughts into captivity. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we're going in two different directions, and they're fighting, they're warring against the other. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, he says, we have to reckon ourselves, our flesh, to be dead to sin, but alive unto Jesus Christ. The question is, what are we feeding? Are we feeding our flesh? If we're feeding our flesh, that's going to be the strongest part of us. If we're feeding our spirit, and you're feeding your spirit tonight by being in the house of God, hearing the word of God preached, as you pray, as you study God's word, as you do what God says, you're building up your spirit, listening to good music, good Christian music. I'm not talking about rock and roll, and I'm not talking about uh, uh, Christian rap. And you say, well, pastor, we've got all this type of stuff. I'm not talking about disco ball, all that type of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about good godly music which speaks to your spirit and encourages you to walk with God. Tonight, as we look at this, as we understand, he says, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. You remember the disciples, the Peter, James, and John, when Jesus took them in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he says, I want you to come with me. I need to have you pray. Just pray with me. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And so they go over, and Jesus goes a little bit further out, and he prays, comes back, and he sees Peter, James, and John asleep. And he says, guys, couldn't you, couldn't you just wait, stay awake for, for one hour? Just an hour. You say, but pastor, don't you understand? They had a busy day. You know, we have to learn to get control of this flesh. Jesus said, you know what? The spirit is willing. I know that you want to do what's right. But the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. <clears throat> when we sin, our fellowship is broken with God, not our relationship. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. 1 John 1, 6, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. As I'm living this, this day, and if I, if I walk this way into sin and I say oh I have fellowship with God God says wait a minute no you don't have fellowship with me your fellowship is broken with me but may I share with you the mercy of God the mercy of God is seen in the fact that he just doesn't zap me right there and we're gone Ezekiel 18 4 says this the soul that sinneth it shall what it'll die you know, every time you sin, even as a Christian, you deserve to die. But the mercy of God, the mercy of God, God says, well, let me tell you, I've got, I've got a provision for that. 1 John 1, 9. <clears throat> if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, that's the mercy of God. Well, I tell you what, I'm sure glad God's a God of mercy. I'd have been gone a whole long time ago. And, and some of you say, well, Pastor, you know what? You just need to realize that, like me, uh, that, that I, don't, I don't have that problem because I don't sin anymore. Well, 
Just talk to your mate, talk to your children, talk to your coworkers, talk to people around you. I can tell you one thing, we all do. I love this verse out of Proverbs 24, verse 16. It says, for the just man, the righteous man, falleth seven times and riseth up again. What a wonderful thing. You say, well, I get back up. Well, you, you might fall tomorrow. That's what the devil says. Well, you're going to fall anyway, so why even try it? Well, because God says that a righteous man, a person who's living uh, in God's, uh, God's uh, direction and going God's way, a righteous man realizes that we have a merciful God and that I may stumble, I may fall, but there is a God who still loves me and keeps me and holds me in his hand and praise God for his mercy. I'm glad that God is a God of mercy. God's mercy is extended over and over to those who fear him. We deserve God's judgment, but when we come to him and confess our sins, his mercy is extended and he forgives and he cleanses us. Have you failed to walk the way that pleases the Lord this week? You say, Pastor, yeah, probably once or twice. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? That you can come to him and confess your sin, get in agreement with him about your sin, and he will cleanse you and you can have a brand new start. Praise God for the mercy of God. Second thing I want you to see as we go back to that portion where we were at just a, a few moments ago, uh, looking back there in, in uh, Psalm, look back there at Psalm 103, verse 17. Psalm 103, verse 17. God's mercy is extended to those who fear him. But notice what else? It says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. See, there's, there's some conditions here. Those who fear him. Next, notice the next thing here. It says, and upon, uh, excuse me, and his righteousness unto his children's children, to such as keep his covenant. Now, as we, as we stop and think about this for a moment, we the covenant that you had there in the, at this point was the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And the Old Covenant was God's promises, for example, to the nation of Israel. They were to, as they kept the covenant of God, God says, I just want to let you know I'm going to be merciful to you over and over and over. From everlasting in the past, I've been merciful. In the future, I'm going to be merciful to you as well. But notice the next thing as he's talking about here. It's conditional. And he says, to such as keep his co uh, covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. As you think about God's mercy is extended to who? Well, those who fear him, those who keep his covenant, those who remember his commandments and does what he says. God says, I just want you to know, this type of people, I'm going to pour out my mercy over and over and over again. These folk really love the Lord. They love the things of God. They seek to please the Lord by doing what he has said to do. In John 14, verse 21, he says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, Jesus speaking, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Have you ever uh, had times that you failed to do what the Lord has told you to do? When we fail to do what the Lord says to do, that's called disobedience. 
You know, it's so hard today. People want to just kind of soften the terms. We don't want to be too harsh because it comes down on people too strongly and we don't want to affect your psyche. Well, that's a problem. We need, we need to affect your psyche. God says that sin is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, God says. God tells us the importance of understanding and calling sin what it is. And when we come to the Lord and we are disobedient, all disobedience, when God has told us to do something and we don't do it, it's called sin. So when we think of being disobedient to the Lord, not doing what he says, may I share with you in his mercy, he chastens us. In his mercy, he chastens us. Go with, back to Hebrews chapter 12 for a moment. You say, Pastor, I just don't, I don't know that I get this, that, that principle very clearly. Well, when I, was, when I did things that were wrong, and my parents had to chasten me, discipline me, correct me, I didn't always see it as their mercy. Sometimes, uh, when, I, when they would tell me to do something and I didn't do it, and uh, my, my parents, they loved me enough to spank me. You say, oh, pastor, we don't use those terms anymore. We don't spank people. We don't, we don't discipline people. Hey, you know, it's all right to discipline, to correct wrong behavior. Today, we live in a time when people don't want any correction. We just want to do whatever we want to do. And that's why we're in the mess we are. But here, consider the mercy of God. The mercy of God is that he chastens us. In chapter 12 and verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Boy, when God corrects some people, they just fall down. I'm just done with this thing called the Christian life. It's not what I wanted. God told me no. God says that's not the right way to go. I was going this direction. I was following this direction. And, and God says, no, you shouldn't do that. You need to change your life. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. I, but I want to love the world. That's, the, that's where all my friends are. That's what I want to do. God says, stop loving the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, I'm not going to follow what God says anymore. Well, God says, okay. Well, maybe you're not my own. Because, see, the Bible says that the commandments of God, when we're his, are not grievous. We want to follow. We want to do what he says. And it's his mercy that he has to take us out to the woodshed to correct us. He says, don't be faint when you're, when you're rebuked of the Lord. Can I tell you something? Every one of us walk contrary to the things of God, even this preacher. Because we are still, as I said, in this flesh. We go in a direction, if we, just let, if we let our flesh have its head, you're going to go away from God. That's a carnal person. The Bible says where there's envying and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. When you see people that are striving and they're always fighting and stuff like that, God says, well, let me just tell you, you're giving your, you're giving your flesh its head. You're going the direction of a way away from God. And if you're, a, if you're a child of God, God says, you know what? You're a carnal Christian. And God chastens us to correct us, to get us back right with God on the right track. Look what he goes on to say. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Every son, every daughter that belongs to God is going to have to be corrected. Well, pastor, 
you know, I, I think I've got this thing of life all down. Really? I think that there's still something we can learn. It's when we stop learning that we're in trouble. It's when we start to tell the Lord, you know what, I, I, I know it all. That's called pride. And so here he says he chastens all those that he loves. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, illegitimate, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of the flesh which corrected us and gave them reverence. Shall we not much more, uh, rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. You know what? I thought that when my parents, when my dad would spank me. When he would correct me, boy, I'll tell you what, I think, you know what? This is not right in my mind. That's what you say, you know? This is not right. It's not fair. Now, the only time that that would happen is when, when uh, my sister did something and, and I got caught for saying and responding back. But it was still right. It was still fair. But here, uh, they did it for, our, for their pleasure, we thought. But he, God, for our profit. When God chastens you and me, he does it for our profit. He does it for our benefit. When he corrects you, when he corrects me, he does it so that we will be a better child. That's what he's saying. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. How do I become holy when God has to take us out and correct us? He does it so that we will be holy like he is holy. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know, when you have to discipline your children, I don't know about you, I never enjoyed disciplining my children. I say, oh, good, I'm just going to give it to them. You know, I've heard of parents that they would spank or they would beat their children every day and just, you know, just want to make sure they've got it all under control. Well, can I tell you something? That's not what God's Word says. We need to understand that, that when there is an action that's done wrong and we need to correct it, then there's discipline to be applied. It's not just because you get, you get a thrill out of spanking your children. That's called child abuse. What we need to understand, though, as we look at this, when you have a child who's going in the wrong direction and you correct that child and you help them to get back on the right track, I submit to you when you're doing that, what happens is this, that you're doing it for their benefit. And if they will learn from that and not harden themselves to sin, harden themselves to that, that chastening, that they will be a better person at the end. Many times people become bitter because of chastening. It's because of God's mercy that he chastens us rather than take us home. If the soul that sinneth it shall die, if that be the truth, then the Christian wouldn't live for very long. But God is in the shaping. It's he that hath begun a good work and you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. He understands and knows that you have, it's a shaping, it's a modeling, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a knocking off of the rough edges of our life to make us more like Jesus Christ. It takes time and effort. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. Consider what Jeremiah says. Lamentations, little book in the Old Testament. Lamentations right after the book of Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 3. 
verse 22. Look what it says. Interesting. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. You know, when you can, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It's because of God's mercy that you and I, that he doesn't just, boom, take this off. Could you imagine? You ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, and as some people think, I'll never sin anymore. <laughs> Boy, all of a sudden, Satan starts attacking and, and starts knocking the props out of you, makes your life start miserable, and you get mad, and you get angry, and you get bitter, and you say, wow, where did all this come from? Well, if, if when you got mad and angry, God says, okay, you're done, boom. There would be... Christians wouldn't develop. But see, God in his mercy, as, as Jeremiah says right here, it is because of the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed. It's his mercy. You ought to be glad for the mercy of God. De receive, not, de not receiving what we rightfully deserve. God's mercy. You know, as we think about that tonight, and uh, consider that, Praise God for his mercy. Aren't you glad that God is merciful? We, oh, praise God for his mercy. I want you to know something else about God's mercy. God's mercy makes salvation possible. God's mercy makes salvation possible. Turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 in verse number 5. Titus chapter 3 in verse 5, it says this, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. God's, God saved us not because we deserve it. Salvation is something that we did not deserve. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But God in his mercy saved you and me. It was his mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, being born again by the Spirit of God. It's not something that we deserve. It's something that is a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He, God, made him, to Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of of God and him. We didn't deserve the righteousness of God. We didn't deserve the righteousness of Jesus Christ to be placed to our account. That was his unmerited favor, his grace, his loving kindness to you and me. But it was because of his mercy that he did so. Hey, I'm a child of God. I don't deserve that. Neither do you. But praise God because of his mercy. I'm a child of the king. The Bible says I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's God's mercy. Joint heirs with Jesus, the Son of God. Isn't that wonderful? We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're, if we suffer down here and go through hard times down here, the Bible says, hey, guess what? You're going to reign with him. I don't deserve to reign with Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, you know what? I've, been, I've worked hard and I've diligent. I deserve to. Well, that's pride, folks. You know what I see? I see... When you look at God and you look at how, how he is and his mercy, his mercy is extended to people who don't deserve it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. 
We, don't, we didn't deserve that payment to be paid for us. It was his mercy, his mercy. We deserve the, to pay the price for our sins. Wages of sin is death. But because of God's mercy, remember what Noah said, Noah Webster said, to treat an offender better than he deserved. God's mercy. We don't deserve it, but God saves us anyway. Can we not say with the psalmist in Psalm 31, verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy? Boy, if anybody ought to be glad and happy tonight, it ought to be Christian. Amen. All right. You know, I'm trying to see. Some of you are coming. We ought to be glad tonight because of the mercy of God. Notice the third thing. God's mercy encourages the wayward saint to return to the Father. God's mercy encourages the wayward saint to return to the Father. Go with me to the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2. It's one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Joel chapter number 2. Hosea, right after Hosea, is the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 13. Joel here is the prophet of God, and he says to the nation of Israel, he says, And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil who knoweth if he will uh, return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. As you stop and think about this, the children of Israel had wandered away from the Lord. They were worshiping false idols of the people that were around them. They were disobedient to the commands of the Lord. God's judgment had fallen upon them. And Joel the prophet of God pleads with them to repent. And in verse 13, look what Joel tells the people. He says, rend your heart and not your garments. Rend your heart and not your garments. When people would feel grief or sorrow, they would tear their clothes. Look with me at a couple different illustrations. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 3. 2 Samuel chapter 3. David at the death of of Abner, 2 Samuel chapter number 3 and verse 31. 2 Samuel 3 and verse 31. Notice what it says here. And David said to Joab, Joab was his general, and to all the people that were with him, rend your clothes and gird you with sackcloth, and mourn after Abner, and the king and King David himself followed the, the buyer. In other words, the, the casket. He was following the casket. The king was lamenting over the death. He said, tear your clothes. When people were in great sorrow, they would tear their clothes. They would rend their clothes. Josiah, the good king Josiah, tore his clothes when he heard the reading of God's word and the sin of the people and the judgment of God. Go to 2 Chronicles just to the right a little bit. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. He knew the judgment of God was, a, was going to fall and they were going through some trials and stuff because of their sin. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And verse 15. 
And it says here in this portion, it says, And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought, uh, and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it unto the, unto the hand of the overseers and to the hand of the workmen. They were going to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Helkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan, the, the scribe, and Ahaziah, the a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire the Lord for me for, and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. May I share with you today, our nation is suffering the wrath of God. You say, well, pastor, I don't, you know, we've got some problems, little problems. No, 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 folks, can I tell you something? Our nation is seeing the wrath of God. We're seeing the wrath of God, and people don't even recognize it as the wrath of God. We see that how the climatic conditions are going. It's the wrath of God. Oh, it's not global warming where people try to, try to dismiss God, but God is working. The problems that we have in America, the homes that are being destroyed and, and split up and the, the suicide and the murder and the violence. Folks, this is all people just turn to their own way. God just allows that to happen. You know what? God could change America if God's people would get right, as I said this morning. Here, this man, when he heard the reading of God's word, tore his clothes. This man, Josiah, was a man who loved God. I want you to see in verse 24. They went and they inquired about the Lord. What is what's the Lord going to say? He says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger. Can I tell you something? America worshiping all the false gods that we have in America, I tell you what brings upon America, I believe, the wrath of God. Yes, we have a freedom to choose, but I tell you what, God is a jealous God. He says, my glory will I not give to another. And people today are afraid to come and to worship in the house of God. I'm telling you, God looks at that. We'd rather worship other gods. The God of the television. Or you can go on and name a whole bunch of other ones. But notice what he's talking about here. That they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. Notice verse 26. And as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, 
And thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest the, his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes, and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Hey, it's an exciting story to read about Josiah. Josiah, you say, well, you know, God's going to take care of me, but you people, no, 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 Josiah started getting things right in the nation. One man started putting things in the right place. He started getting rid of all the evil and the, and the idolatry and all that type of stuff, and he started, there was revival that broke out because one man feared God and rent his clothes. You say, well, rent his clothes, he tore his clothes, but I tell you what, it was more than rending his clothes. It's what Joel was talking about, about rending your heart. Rending your heart. Barnes says of that idea of, of rending your heart, he says, a truly penitent heart is called a broken and a contrite heart. Such a penitent re rends and, and rips up the narrow um, search, excuse me, up by a narrow search, the recesses of the heart to discover the abominations thereof and pours out before God the diseased and the, the perilous stuff pent up in the festering there and expels the evil thoughts lodged in it, opens it in all things to the reception of divine grace. In other words, to put it in a vernacular, it's you open up all of your heart and say, God, search me, O oh God. Know my thoughts. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. God, look at all the areas of my life. I open to you and give you all to look in my life and show me what's wrong and help me to get it right with you. See, that's what Joel was talking about. Go back to Joel chapter 2 and verse 13. Joel chapter 2 and verse 13. Dear friend, do you have things in the recesses of your heart that no one knows about? The things that you say, well, pastor, I, I don't know. I guarantee you if you just come to God and say, God, just open. I, I, I lay my heart before you. Just show me. The Spirit of God will show you what's wrong. He'll show you areas that you need to change in your life. Joel chapter number 2 and verse 13, look what it says. There, as he says, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Oh, it's easy to tear a garment. But you know what, God, I want you to look and, re and research my heart. But notice something else he says here in this portion. And turn unto the Lord your God. Turn to the Lord your God. That word turn means to return, to turn back. That's the Hebrew word, to turn back. They were going this direction. God says, no, 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 turn back. So why should we? What would happen if they would return? You know, a lot of times people, when they, they, uh, they come to church and they live in the church and they do what God says, and then all of a sudden they get sideways with God and they walk off into the world and they, and, and they live in the world and they do the pleasures of the world for a season, they find out, you know what? This doesn't give any peace. It doesn't give any joy. And so, 
as God starts to speak to them, the Holy Spirit says, you know what, you need to return, you need to come back. I've heard people say, well, you know what, I don't know how the people are going to respond to me if I come back to church. The devil says, you know what, they're going to look at you narrowly, they're going to say, hey man, look at that person, look what they've done. Hey, is there any one of us that haven't messed up, haven't sinned against the Lord, haven't gone a wrong path at some place or time in our life? I want you to see how God looks at people turning back to him. Look what he says here in this portion. Turn back to the Lord, for he is what? Gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. In other words, you say, well, I didn't know that God had to repent because God says, you know, God's not a man that he should repent. That idea of repent there, that word is the, is the issue here that he'll stop doing, he'll stop pouring out his judgment. But look at God's attitude as, as Joel is encouraging these people. You need to return to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. Why? Because he's gracious. He's merciful. He doesn't give you what you rightly deserve. He's slow to anger and of great kindness. I think of these different principles here tonight. You know, we ought to be the same way when people come back to the Lord. We ought to have mercy. When people come and come to church and, you know, they've, they've gone through, you know, they used to walk with God and they don't walk with God and then all of a sudden God comes back and you know they're a different person. Kind of like the prodigal son. So how do we treat them? Well, you know what, if you, would not, if you wouldn't have gone that way, then that, 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 no, no, can I tell you something? We ought to have mercy. We ought to have mercy on people. Why? Because we're to be like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and they were saying all sorts of nasty, mean things? And Jesus said to them, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So how could they not know that they're saying all these mean things? They don't realize. They don't realize where they are. We see a loving Savior. We see a merciful Savior. Tonight, I pray that you're glad for the mercy of God. We can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know God's merciful. Don't do that. You ought to be glad that he's merciful. He's glad he's, uh, you ought to be glad he's merciful. Isn't it, a wonder, isn't, isn't it wonderful that our God shows us mercy on a daily basis? Boy, howdy. I think of Peter when Peter said, well, you know, when the Lord says, you know, we're to forgive, and Peter says, well, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven times? And the Lord says, forgive seven, uh, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. Oh, man. I can, I can just picture Peter. Okay, that person messed up here and, and spoke against me. They did this to me, and they did this to me. Now I'm going to drop the hammer on them. I'm, I'm glad that our, our God is merciful from everlasting to everlasting. I can guarantee you in the future, there'll probably be times that you'll fail that you'll walk away from God. But I'm here today to tell you that our God is a merciful God. He's there. He's waiting for us to come home, just like the father of the prodigal son. He was waiting with arms outstretched to receive us back. And since our God shows us mercy, we ought to show mercy to others as well. I pray tonight as you stop and think about your life and our theme for the year, 
dealing with this idea of being joyful in thee, joyful in the Lord, you ought to be joyful in God's mercy. You ought to rejoice in God's mercy tonight. As we go from this place tonight, as we think about this, hey, how can I show mercy on other people? You know, it's so easy for us to drop the hammer. How about showing mercy? Let's let that be part of our character tonight. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this time this evening. Lord, I thank you for the mercy that you have upon us. Lord, we so deserve your judgment. We so deserve all of those things. But God, you are merciful. You don't give us what we rightly deserve. Your grace, your loving kindness is poured out. Father, you did it for us in salvation. You do it for us on a daily basis. Father, when we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us. That's your mercy. Thank you for forgiving us and, Lord, giving us a new start once again. I pray, God, that tonight that you would once again help us to be merciful and, Lord, to walk with you. We thank you, Lord. I pray that as we have this time of invitation tonight, I pray, God, you'd speak to our hearts. Perhaps we haven't been merciful to others like you've been merciful to us. And, Lord, if that be the case, I pray that we'd get it right with you tonight. And, Lord, that we'd get it right with others. Father, would you please speak to us tonight? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand, Brother Scott.